1: We're in this series, there's a great joy in the city. And uh it's it's derived from Acts chapter 8. In verse 8, it says there was a great joy in the city. But can we put up Acts 8, 1 to 8? It says, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he completely agreed with the killing of Stephen, who was a, a newly appointed disciple in Jerusalem. And there was persecution that which scattered the believers. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church. In Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with a great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But then something happened there was a shift, there was a pivot point. Philip preaches in Samaria. In verse 4, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. The crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. To hear his message, the message of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, and see the miraculous signs through the power of the Holy Spirit. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was a great joy in the city. The moral of this message is the end of a story cannot always be determined by the beginning. The end of a story cannot always be determined by the beginning. The beginning of this story looked like there was no hope for joy. The joy was the farthest thing from the church in that moment. They were being persecuted. They were being dragged out into the street. They were being stoned because of their faith, because they were willing to stand up for their testimony. It didn't seem like it was a good situation. It didn't seem like there was anything positive that could have come out of this situation, except that believers stood up. Believers preached the word. Believers went into all the area, Judea and Samaria, and preached the good news. They made, they made space available for the Holy Spirit to do something. An expression to the Holy Spirit that brought about healings. It brought about miracles. It brought about deliverance. It brought about a great joy. I believe there's a great joy that's going to be brought about today. And, and right now, if there's anybody in this place where you feel like the start of your story or maybe the start of the story that you're walking through right now doesn't, doesn't feel very joyous. It doesn't feel like it's going to have a good outcome. It doesn't feel like there's a positive way out of this. I want to pray for you today. I want you to come down to the front right now. We're going to pray that the end of your story is not the same as the beginning, that whatever you're facing right now is not the final word from heaven, that the Holy Spirit is going to move. Go ahead and come down right now. If, you, if you're if you facing a trial, if you're facing a situation, and you don't want that to be the final chapter, You believe that there's a Holy Spirit outcome that's going to come about. Just come down to the front right now. Lift up your hands. If you're not down here, just start to stretch out your hands to all these people. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the touch of heaven on these lives. I thank you for a Holy Spirit encounter. Even though there's persecution, even though there's doubt, even though there's uncertainty, God, that that you know the end of a matter from the beginning. And we declare right now that there is double the blessing. There is double the provision. There is double the anointing on these people at the end from the beginning, God, that you know the state of their hearts. You know the state of their situations. God, I thank you that you're touching them right now. You're leading them in your path of righteousness. God, I thank you that the best is yet to come. That they don't, have to, they don't have to worry about what's happening right now. God, that you are with them. You will never leave them. You will never forsake them. God, you're touching them right now. Your anointing is on them. The flow of heaven, the oil of heaven coming down from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. God, I thank you right now. The touch of heaven, the overflow of the spirit, the expression of joy coming into their lives. God, that you have appointed them for such a time as this, that they they don't have to worry about persecution, they don't have to worry about what other people say about them. They know what you have said about them. That you are that they are your beloved son or daughter of the Most High God. I thank you that you're touching them right now. The end state is twice as good as the beginning state. You're bringing about an incredible victory in their lives right now, God. The process of transformation is not finished that they're still being molded and shaped. They're going to boldly stand up and stand on your word, the rock of Jesus Christ. It will never fail. It will never leave them. God, I thank you for for, uh, your hand over these lives. Yes, right now, just feel the Holy Spirit all over you, all over you. Thank you, Jesus, for the miraculous, the miraculous. You need a miracle right now. God is a miracle God, miracle God. This is a house of miracles in motion. God, I thank you. If you haven't received a miracle yet, keep moving. Keep believing. Keep walking. Keep pressing in. Thank you, Jesus, for the touch of heaven on these lives. Powerful warrior right here. Mighty man of God. What the devil used to take you out, God is going to use for good. He's going to bring beauty from the ashes. I hear beauty from the ashes. Turn graves into gardens. Like get in your car and play that on repeat. Graves into gardens. Graves into gardens. The, the bones are going to rise up prophesy to those bones see a great a great victory coming out of what once looked like it was dead it looked like it was dead and dry that it didn't have any life it didn't have any power speak to those bones tell them to get up get up start moving on your behalf start working for you theres there's gonna be there's going to be uh, business deals. That, that once we're dead that are going to be resurrected in your life. There's going to be things that, that you you just decided to ride off Well, God is going to bring them back to life. As you speak to them, you've got to have the word of God in your mouth. Prophesy to those deals. Prophesy to those bones. Say, live. Live again. Stand up. Accomplish every purpose that God has put into your heart through those things. Resurrection life. Resurrection power in Jesus' name jesus name live again god i thank you for the touch of heaven over this life i thank you for moving in the power of the holy spirit i thank you for for bringing back bringing back souls into the kingdom of god those that were lost this mighty man he'll go out and find them he'll reach those sheep that have wandered away He has a heart of passion to bring people into the kingdom of God. God, I thank you right now for the resources to do more, the resources to do more, the resources to do more flowing into these lives. God, I thank you for a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood, a mighty warrior, legacy over this man, legacy over this life. In Jesus' name, keep pressing in, keep showing him, train up those kids, not just your kids, but other kids all around you. People that come in, they're hungry, they need that milk, and you're you're able to feed it to them, you're able to provide for them, you're able to give them both what they need in the natural and the spiritual, a double-edged sword. Thank you, Jesus, for complete recovery, complete and total recovery what was lost, time, relationships, family. I just see that family, recovery of family over your life. God has given you a new family in this house. But there's a restoration of your, of your family, your biological family. Maybe people that you haven't talked to in a while, people that, that, uh, that haven't been in your world. I just see you reconnecting with family. Speak it in, speak it in the spiritual first. See things that are, that are not as though they are. Call out your family restoration. Call out the, the togetherness. Call out, Call out the bond that will never be broken. And then walk the walk. Walk proudly. Walk as a light. I see you as a knight in shining armor coming in. You're slaying dragons that are keeping your family from from each other, that are keeping your family in chains. You are that white knight. You are that leader. Joshua, mighty man of God, be strong and courageous in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing today. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, the power coming in this place, touching every life. The end of a story cannot always be determined by the beginning. So good. Can we give the worship team a hand? What a powerful presence, anointing in this place. You guys, give somebody some love, and then you can grab your seats. I am excited for for what God is doing in this place. I'm excited for, for this moment in this house. And um, I know that uh, that we are called to be difference makers in this city. That we have been appointed for this time in this place. And there's um, there's a picture of, of Jerusalem that we see from this story that kind of kind of typifies, unfortunately, what Jerusalem was known for. But but there's there's a a, a new Jerusalem that is coming, a new Jerusalem that will be, and if, if you're interested in that, what new Jerusalem looks like, you can look at the last book of your Bible, Revelation, the book of Revelation, and uh, my dad, Richard Hunley, actually, he wrote a book called What New Jerusalem Actually Looks Like, so he pulls out the, the, the physical dimensions that are outlined in the Bible and the timing and the prophecies concerning that, so if you're interested in that, you can, uh, you can go on Amazon and check that out. But uh, I want to talk about today a tale of two cities, a tale of two cities. And uh, obviously we're going to use Jerusalem as a bit of an example, but, but even deeper than that, I want us to think about the, the tale of two cities where we are right now, here and now, the city that we live in right now and the city that we want to live in. Now, I'm not commissioning you to go anywhere else. I'm commissioning you to stay. Stay in the city that you're in physically, but be the change in that city to make it the city that you want to be in. Make San Diego, make Santee, make El Cajon, make East County. Be the city that God has called it to be. Just like God called Jerusalem to be a specific type of city, there were some decisions that were made. There were leaders that were in a position of power that made decisions that prevented that city from going to where it needed to be. And I don't want that to be our story, that we need to use this, this book, the Word of God, as, as a tool, as a lesson. It is alive. It is breathing. It is, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Powerful to discern between soul and spirit. But it also provides a lot of good context from where we've been as humanity. Like, we need to learn these lessons that, that the Bible teaches us, and we also need to be continually learning what the Spirit is saying. The Word of God is the Logos, the written Word, and it's also the Rhema, the revealed Word, the, the now Word. God, God didn't just write it. You know, have a a bunch of men and women over over centuries put words on this on these pages in this book and just left it at that. No, He's an alive God. He's a powerful God. He's a now God, and He's speaking to us right now. What do we need to be doing right now to be a difference in our city? How can we be the change agent? How can we be the catalyst? This, uh, the title of this message, The Tale of Two Cities, is, is borrowed from a novel. Anybody know who, who wrote this novel that wasn't at the 9 a.m.? Anybody? Come on, right back there. Shout it out. You forgot his name. Me too. I did too. Charles Dickens, that's right. Good job. You get a free coffee as well from the cafe. Put it on my tab. Charles Dickens, Charles Dickens. And when I was thinking about, I just liked I like the name of the, the title because I think it's applicable both to Jerusalem and to us now. But as I, you know, in, in you know, confession time, I've never actually read this book, but, um, but I, I know that it's significant. I know that it's, it's been, it was written in 1859, and it's still one of the most popular books that you can download or read. And, uh, and I want to I read for you the first sentence of This book. And you've probably, even if you've never heard the name A Tale of Two Cities, you may have heard some of these words. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us and we had nothing before us. We are all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. In short, the period was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received for good or evil in the superlative degree of comparison only. How powerful this. Who thinks that that could be a a statement about right now? Who thinks that that could be? We're in the season of light. We're in the season of darkness. We're in the season of, of prosperity and the this, this season of despair. That there's, there's so much uh, potential for us to go either way. That where we're at right now as a city and as a nation, there's, there's two visible paths that we could traverse down. We could traverse towards a city of light, a, a city that continues to represent uh, our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ or we could divert to a city of, of chaos and confusion, of despair. The choice is in our hands and the power is in our hands. And that's what I want to talk about today is how we can be that, that change agent, how we can be the people who make the decisions right now to bring our city into a place of light, to bring our city into a place of prosperity, to continue to stand on the word of God. And watch this, if we can do it with a city, then we can do it with a state, and we can do it with a nation. We can impact the world by our decisions right now if we make the choices that we need to make. People in Jerusalem didn't make the choices that they need to make, and I want to talk about what Jerusalem was. In Luke 13, 34, Jesus says this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often have I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Now look, your house is abandoned and you will never see me again until you say blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The, the context for Acts chapter 8 and, and, you know, the basis of this series, it was great joy in the city, is, is one of persecution that... Um, that Jesus had died and he had ascended to heaven. And uh, he told the disciples, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. So that had happened. The day of Pentecost had come. And the disciples began to preach the good news of the gospel, both in Jerusalem and to go out into all the world. But it's interesting because there was was this time of persecution. They had been released. They had been commissioned. But there was this resistance because of the, the stronghold that the enemy had over the city. And it wasn't something that was easily broken. And in fact, what we're going to see is throughout history, that spirit has never really been broken over Jerusalem. That it's still a bit of a city in limbo. It's a city that is is now uh, a mix of Judaism, Islam, Christianity. There's never really been a true stronghold for the kingdom of God over that city. So part of the reason why that is, is because of the decisions that leaders had made from the time after Solomon, all the way up until Jesus, they, they were a city, they were a people that, that would, would reject, they were hard-hearted against the message of God, that we can't be that city. We can't be a people that is hard-hearted against what God is saying. We, they, they had the living, walking, talking, breathing Messiah with them and they couldn't even see it. Why is that? Why is that? They were so consumed with the power that they did have. Even in the time of Jesus Christ, the Roman Empire had control over that area, and and the Romans, wisely in a way, had had given some measure of power back to the religious leaders. They had given some, some measure of control, just enough to keep them in line, just enough to keep the leaders happy. And so the leaders not wanting to let go of that little bit of power they had, the breadcrumbs from the Romans' table, they rejected anything that would seek to turn over that situation. They rejected anything that would would seek to upend even the little bit of power that they had. The leadership had sold itself just for those scraps from the Romans. And even with the Messiah with them, even the Messiah was there because of pride, they would not, they would not believe They would not open up their hearts to see the truth of the gospel, the living gospel that was walking with them. And it's such a a difference between what everybody else was seeing at that time. Let's look at John 12, 12 to 13. This is Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. In verse 12, it says, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of, watch this, Passover visitors, visitors. Not the people in the city, not the leaders from the city, but visitors from all the countryside where Jesus had been walking, where Jesus had been performing signs and miracles and wonders. Not that he hadn't done it in Jerusalem, he'd done that too, but something about the difference of people that were out from underneath the direct control of that leadership, where they were free to believe what they even saw. Yeah. The Bible says, blessed are those who, who do, not, do not see and yet still believe. And these leaders in the city, they saw and they still couldn't believe. But other people, crowds of people came in and these, Passovers, these Passover visitors, they took palm branches and went down the road to meet them and they shouted, praise God or Hosanna. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. These people realized, they got it, that this was the King. This was the Messiah. This was the one that we have been waiting for and we're willing to, to, to lay down lay down our coats, lay down these branches to honor him as he comes in. But we know the story, the, the leaders, they, they probably were even more angry at, his, at Jesus' entry into the city. Even more they wanted to, to take hold of him and kill him, or at least remove him from power, remove him from the public eye. And eventually they did, you know, Jesus was betray, uh, betrayed, and he was brought before a pilot. he was put on trial. And the religious leaders, they brought accusations and false witnesses against him. They, they threw everything they could at him. But Pilate, he, he didn't see any fault in him. He, he, in fact, Pilate wanted to release Jesus. Release him because what this man has done no wrong. There's nothing that I can convict him of. But the religious leaders, all the more, they incited the mob to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They even chose a revolutionary murderer to be released, Barabbas, to be released a man who was guilty, a man who had committed heinous acts. He was a revolutionary. He incited rebellion, but they wanted him over Jesus. Well, what you choose is what you get. 33 years after Jesus was crucified, there was a rebellion in Jerusalem, a Judean revolt, where, where the people throughout the city, they revolted against Rome. And they actually overthrew the Romans in Jerusalem for a time. They, they uh, slaughtered all the Roman cohort that was stationed in the city. But Rome wasn't going to just let that slide. So four years later in 70 AD, Rome came and they besieged and they completely wiped out Jerusalem. They went into the temple and they tore down the entire temple. They were throwing stones down over the wall. It was actually a fulfillment of one of Jesus' prophecies that no stone of the temple would be left on another. Because of the religious leader's decision, that prophecy came true. Because they wanted insurrection, they wanted rebellion, they chose Barabbas, that's exactly what they got. What are we choosing today? What are the choices that we're making today? Are we choosing the Son of God? Are we choosing His Word? Or are we choosing, like what Joy was talking about, what we see on the news? Are we choosing the, um, the, the fair weather or the foul weather, or are we choosing to believe whatever people say is going to happen, or are we believing what God says is going to happen? We need to see what God has said and also hear what God is saying. We've got to be able to respond to this situation, the circumstance we're in right now, not based on feelings, but what on the power of God is showing us how God is moving right now, seeing signs, seeing miracles, seeing wonders. That's how we bring joy into a city. That's how we change this city. That's how we get to live in the city that we want to live in. That's really what I want to talk about with the the rest of the time that I have today, is how how do we use joy? What is joy? Joy is not just a series of feelings. Joy is actually a fruit. Did you know that? Joy is a fruit. It's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Leanne talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And it's an expression. It's an expression of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 8, when Philip started preaching, he he started uh, casting out demons. He started healing the sick. He He was using the gifts of the Spirit, which brought about an expression of the fruit of the Spirit. And I, I believe that there's some people here today, like Philip, that God has called you to, to go into your city. He's got to, he called you to go into your area and use the gifts of the Spirit to bring about an expression of joy. There was an abundance of joy because people were healed. There was an abundance of joy because of the demonstration of the miraculous power of Jesus Christ. We need to be that demonstration. We've got to go out and perform those miracles and do those signs and share our testimony. And you might think, I don't know how to pray out a demon. I don't know how to cast out a spirit. I don't know how to heal someone. Good. God does. God knows how to do those things. So all you got to do is take God with you. Come on, God. Let's go cast out some demons together. Doesn't that sound like a little bit fun? I mean, come on. Come on. It does sound like a little bit of fun, right? Who thinks it'd be fun to heal somebody? To see somebody who is paralyzed in a moment get complete restoration. In a moment get touched by heaven. I think that would be fun. Daniel thinks that would be fun. Yeah. Come on. Well, that's all we need. It says we're two or more gathered in agreement. The Spirit of Christ is with you. Yeah. So if you want if you don't want to go alone, good. Jesus didn't send him out alone either. Take a buddy with you. Take a partner with you. You, your partner and the Holy Spirit, threefold cord. That's all you need. Good to go. We're going to change this city. We have a purpose to change this city. We have a mission and a calling to change this city. So how do we do it? So glad you asked. Joy is not a feeling. Feelings can be happy, sad, angry, mad, tired, and and your emotions are how you express those feelings, and and that's that's at a natural level, but I want to talk also uh, about how we shift the atmosphere in our life where what comes out because of different feelings isn't just on the surface, isn't just on a natural level, it's a supernatural level. In that time in Samaria, it was an expression of the Holy Spirit that brought about joy, not just one person feeling happy, sad, or mad, or angry. So I want to talk about some, some characteristics, some circumstances. Now, typically, circumstances are, are either good or bad. Either, either it's, a, it's, a, it's a good situation or, or a bad situation. And how you react to that circumstance or situation is, is an expression And your expression will either be positive or negative, usually. Sometimes there's a little bit of neutrality, but but most of the time, there's going to be either slightly one, slightly the other, or a lot of one, a lot of the other. And so I put together this this little chart that they're going to bring up of circumstances and expressions. So the circumstance is either good or bad, and the expression is either positive or negative. And so in the the top left, the good circumstance and a positive expression, I put this picture up here because Pastor Colin last week talked about one of his heroes, Drew Brees, who had a calling to go into a city, New Orleans, because that city was hurting from the devastation of Hurricane Katrina. And he felt like he was called to do something about it. He felt like he was called, he had other options, could have gone to different places, but he chose to go to that city. He was called to that city to make a difference in that city. And for anybody who follows sports knows that that year, the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl, in large part to, because of that man, because of what he did. And so this is a, this is a picture of him holding up his son when they were uh, just crowned champions. And, and this was a, a positive expression in a good circumstance. Well, now let's look at the, the bottom right. A bad circumstance and a negative situation. It, it, it's, it's kind of okay, like we expect it that whenever somebody steals our lollipop, we're going to be upset about it, you know, we don't have to have a, a positive expression in that moment, and, and the default position is not to, the default position is when something bad happens, that there is a reaction, and that's okay, that's okay, and now let's look at the, the top right, a good circumstance, but a negative, a negative expression, a good circumstance, but a negative expression, isn't it funny that sometimes you can be in an environment where everybody else is really happy? Everybody else is excited. Everybody else is having a good, good time. But this guy on the left is not having a great time. He's kind of having a negative circumstance and situation. And doesn't it make it all the worse that the guy right next to him is that much more joyful? Like, he's that much more excited? The positive expression. I mean, it's, they're at an amusement park, right? They're supposed to be happy. But the negative expression, sometimes it just comes out of nowhere. Sometimes... We actually get annoyed when everybody else is really chipper, really happy. Like, why is that? Why is it that sometimes we just can't celebrate when other people celebrate? Maybe, for example, you know, you go to an early morning meeting and somebody has brought free donuts, and you're, but you're the last one there and all the donuts are gone. So you're just sitting through that meeting, watch everybody else enjoy their yummy, delicious Mary's donuts, and you're sitting there without one. It's really hard to be happy in that situation. Maybe, let's dig a little bit deeper. Maybe you've been believing for something for a long time. Maybe you've been pressing in in prayer. Maybe you know that God has, has given you a picture. He's given you a dream. And the situation that you're in is not, not quite there yet. Or maybe it's far from there yet. But then you see somebody right next to you. And they get the blessing that you've been believing for. They get the answer to your prayers. How hard is it in those times to be happy for them? wow. That's super awesome for you. So happy for you. So glad you just got your dream home. It's difficult. It's difficult in those, in those what should otherwise be good circumstances. Sometimes we aren't happy. Sometimes we aren't excited about somebody else's breakthrough. That's something that we're going to have to face. We're all going to be in that situation at one point or another. And what about the last one? the bottom left. Bad circumstances, but a positive expression. Bad circumstances, but a positive expression. There's these, there's these few times in our lives where we see people like Mel Gibson and the Patriot, who's, you know, the, the whole Continental Army is running away from the British. And Mel Gibson, he, he drops his rifle because he knows with that rifle, he might be able to take out two or three, maybe 10 of the enemy. But he sees something more powerful. He sees the flag laying on the ground. He sees all of his troops running away. He knows that if they keep running, that they will lose. They will lose the battle. So he does something very courageous. He drops his rifle and he picks up the flag. He starts to wave it in the air. He starts to rally the troop. His courage changed an entire army. His courage, one man's courage made a difference. And I know that's just a dramatization. It's a Hollywood movie, but it's in the Bible too. One man decided that he wasn't going to let the enemy have a field of lentils. One man decided to take a stand. One man defeated an army. Your example can change the course of history. Your example will, cha- will change the course of history in your life. It will most likely change the course of history in your family's life. And it has a good probability of changing the course of the history of this city. Just because of your decisions just because of how you react in those bad circumstances? Do you have a positive expression? Can you feel the courage come inside of you? It's there. Jesus, the Holy, Jesus says the Holy Spirit pours out his spirit, pours out his spirit onto all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You'll see dreams. You'll dream, you'll dream dreams. You'll see visions. God is speaking to you. God is constantly speaking that of word. Are we in a position where we can listen? So how does this chart help us change a city? The impossible mission of a Christian is to bring an expression of joy in every situation. The impossible mission of a Christian is to bring an expression of joy in every situation. Who knows that all things are possible to those who believe? With God, all things are possible. So we can, accomplish that. we can accomplish that impossible mission. We can bring an expression of joy. And as we said before, it's not in our own strength and our own power. The expression of joy has to come through the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? Well, first we have to honor him. We have to honor him. If we look at this uh, top left situation, the good, the good situation or circumstance and the positive expression, there is even a caution, there is even a danger here. I like this picture because it shows, it shows the confetti, it shows the celebration, but it shows Drew Brees holding up his son with both hands. You can see Mama is right there behind him. And it's hard to tell from this picture as well, but the son, the little boy actually has earmuffs on to pr- protect his ears from the noise. That even in the celebration, there's a measure of control. There's a measure of, gui- a measure of guidance. That in the best of times, in the exuberation, in the ex- excitement, in this ex- celebration, that we need to put honor where honor is due. We need to know where this victory and our victories actually came from. That we have to have a measure of control there. Why? Very simple. Pride comes before the fall. If we start looking at the situation we're in, a great circumstance and having a positive expression, and then we think, this is because of what I've done. I brought myself here. I'm a self-made man, a self-made woman. That's the quickest recipe for disaster. That's the quickest way for you to slide into the fall. And that's the oldest, the oldest example in the Bible. Satan himself, he wasn't created to be the devil. He wasn't created to be Lucifer. He was, well, he was created to be uh, an angel of light. He was created to be a worshiper in heaven. He was created to be somebody who uh, got got to be right at the throne of God, experience his glory. But he wanted to exalt himself above the throne. He wanted to to receive worship. That pride was his greatest downfall. We've got to be in control. We've got to release praise. We've got to deflect praise to, to where it is due. We have to honor God in everything, in every circumstance. We have to be humble of heart if we don't want to fall into that same trap. And the next one, the good circumstance, but a negative response. Good circumstance, but a negative response. It is hard to celebrate with others from time to time, especially if we're going through a trial, especially if we're going through a a difficult situation. And in the natural, like, it's normal to have certain feelings, and and we see it in the world all the time where people find it hard to celebrate with others if they have a lack mentality, if they think, well, you know, if Ashley is blessed, if Ashley is getting a new business, you know, that's going to reduce the chances that I'm going to be blessed or that I'm going to have a new business. That's not a kingdom mentality. that's a world mentality. That's a lack mentality. We have to realize that God is a God who owns the whole worth, whole earth, and the fullness is His. He has the capacity to bless us all. He will bless anyone who blesses him. And in fact, in the Bible, it says uh, to Abraham, God says to Abram, "Blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you." Any nation on earth who blesses you will be blessed. So in that context, it's really easy to see how to be blessed. You bless the nation of Israel. You bless the kingdom of God, his holy people. Sometimes it's hard to celebrate with other people if we're jealous of what they have or if we covet what they have. Like, wow, look at that amazing house that they have. Look at that nice ride that they have. Well, ask yourself, do you really know what they had to do to get there? How many hours of work did they have to pour in? How many late nights did they have to put in? How many years did they have to put in? Sometimes we just see the end result and think that it happened immediately. That's very rare. It's very rare to see a rags to riches story overnight. It's usually years, sometimes decades of work that's been poured in. But we just, we just like to look at the, the shiny house or the shiny thing and think, oh, I should have that. That's a, that's a, that's a spirit of entitlement. That's another way that we can allow our feelings to prevent us from being happy for other people. The Jews in Jerusalem had that spirit as well. Jesus was coming in triumphantly as the king. Everybody else saw it, but because they had that sense of entitlement, they couldn't receive it. They couldn't receive the the revelation of God that this was the Messiah coming in. We cannot let that sense of entitlement rob us from our path to victory because it will. If you get so caught up in what somebody else has that you can't see what God is doing in your life. You can't see the blessing and the favor that he has over you. But I think more often than not, the reason why it's hard to celebrate in those times is simply out of exasperation. We've just been trying, we've been believing, we've been doing everything that we can. And I'm not faulting anybody for this. I've done it myself, where I find it hard to celebrate when somebody else has that breakthrough. I find it hard to have an expression of joy even in some good circumstances. So how do we overcome that? What's an appropriate response? Let's look at 1 Peter 2, 6-9. 1 Peter 2, 6-9. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, those who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. This is exactly what happened to the leaders in Jerusalem of that day. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. You've got to trust in God. You've got to rely on him. Even if the circumstance that you're in is good for everybody else but not for you, trust in God. That your victory will come. As you rely on him, as you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, you will come into that place of victory. Now, it may not look exactly like your neighbors, but that's good because you are unique. You are called to be you. You are called to do you with the Holy Spirit. Allow God to work through you. Be excited when somebody else gets to celebrate. Be excited when somebody else gets married. Be excited when somebody else has a baby. Even if those are the things that you've been believing for, for years, for years. The more that you can have that expression of joy in your life, the more that you will realize that God is walking with you. He's walking with you through that valley of the shadow of death. You don't have to fear any evil for his surely goodness and mercy will follow you. Let's look at the next one, the bad, the bad circumstance, the bad situation, but a positive, a positive result. These are some of the greatest moments in history. We, we see it happen time and time again, natural disasters around the world. It's probably happening right now in the Ukraine and other, other areas that are facing war. We're in the midst of the most most heinous situation, the most heinous circumstance. Courage will rise up in people. There's a boldness that will rise up where they do what seems like humanly impossible things. Because the Spirit of God is alive. He's moving. If people will open themselves up to receive the courage from God, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. And in the dark times, in the dark trials, that will stand out even more. That's why we see pictures like Mel Gibson up there. That's why we see men that will stand up in a field and defend against the enemy. That's that's why we see women in our church who will go before the San Diego City Council and say, we're not going to allow these ungodly rules and legislation come through. That we're willing to stand up to the leaders of the day. We will not back down. We will not be silent. When courage courage from above comes inside of us, it brings joy. It brings that expression of joy. And the last one, the bad circumstance or situation and a negative response. That we will all walk through this at some point. We will all allow our feelings to get the better of us from time to time. Especially in those negative situations where that's our default response. Our default Nature is to be possessive about things. Our default nature is, is to not want other people to come in and, and take our toys. You don't have to, you don't have to teach a, a toddler not to share. They'll do that just fine on their own. You actually have to teach them to share. You have to teach them to do the positive things, to, 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 to give, and it will be given back to you, pressed down and shaken together and running over. It's all right if you have a negative response from time to time. Everybody does it. But what's important is, again, that the response that we're after is not based on our feelings. The response that we're after is the expression of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 20 to 24. And I'm going to close with this verse. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me. and This is Jesus speaking. But the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor when her child is born. Her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy we are called to be the difference in the city that we're in we're called to bring about a change in this city and you might be thinking hey San Diego America's finest city we're doing pretty good right we have it we have it pretty good and I'd say we're doing all right. if you look at some other places it could be worse but it could be better We could see the glory of God move in this place like it never has before. Throughout history, there have been several several great revivals, several great awakenings in the church of Jesus Christ. California has even been a part of a couple of those. But I think it's time for another one, another great awakening. Anybody else agree with me? Does anybody else want to be a part of that? Anybody else want to be a part of the next great awakening in this country or in this world? What's preventing us? We know there's an enemy. Are you willing to stand up and fight against them? Not flesh and blood, but powers and principalities of this age. Are you willing to answer the call of Jesus Christ on your life? Are you willing to serve the church? Are you willing to do what other people won't do? All you need is to trust in God and have courage. Get along a couple other great believers, men and women beside you. They want to partner with you. What is the Holy Spirit saying right now? What is he speaking to you right now? Why don't, you, why don't we all stand up right now? I want to pray over some people. Maybe you found yourself in a position right now. You find yourself in a position where you're, you're finding it really hard to celebrate with other people because you're walking through a struggle or a trial. Well, I want to pray with you. I want to pray that you would continue to trust in your heavenly Father. Maybe you're in a position right now where it's a difficult circumstance, and, and your, your desire is to have a positive expression, your desire to do something, but you're just kind of maybe lacking a little bit of courage. I want to pray courage into your life. We kind of, we prayed over at the beginning those people who, who believe that the end state is going to be different than what they're walking through right now. Maybe you didn't come down to the front well, I want to encourage you, friend, that you can still receive that word. You can still receive that message. I want to pray for you as well. Maybe you're at a high place right now. Maybe you're feeling good about what's happening in your life, and, and you feel like you do have a positive expression. You do have the joy of the Holy Spirit come in. I want to pray a blessing over you that you would, you would deflect that praise. You would put honor what honor is due. You would exercise control, not let pride take you out. And maybe you are truly struggling right now, and it's may be difficult to even get out of bed and and come to church or go to work or do the things that you know you're supposed to do because of the battle that you're facing. Well, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would come in and comfort you exactly where you are, that he will see you through this situation. He will see you through this circumstance, that your best days are ahead of you, that you don't have to believe that, that you've already spent all your grace It's impossible. It's impossible to expend all of the grace that God has for us. If you just believe, if you call on his name, if you declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you can receive that expression of joy. And I want to do that first right now. Anybody here today with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you've never received that full expression of joy, you never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand right where you're at? I'd love to pray with you. You want to receive that full expression, that full measure of joy. Joy for joy. For his name's sake. Who are those ones? Anybody? You find yourself far from God, maybe. And you want to rededicate your life, rededicate your walk. Maybe joy is the last thing on your mind right now, and you need to, you need to resurrect that joy. Who are, the one, who are those ones that I'm praying for today? Just lift up your hand right where you're at, and I'll pray for you. Anybody here today, see that hand. God bless you. See that hand. God bless you. So proud of you. Anybody else here today, you need that expression of joy in your life? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I feel like there's a wrestle happening right now in somebody's heart. You feel like, well, you know, what's the, what's the point? I don't need to raise my hand. God knows, God knows my situation. He knows my heart. And that's true. He does. See that hand. God bless you. But he wants you to be a part of this change process. He's not going to do it for you. The transformation that needs to happen in your life, it involves you. And he's just asking right now to lift up your hand. I see that hand in the back. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? God's going to partner with you. The Holy Spirit coming in. See those hands. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Why don't we do this? Let's all say these words together, especially those of us that lifted up our hand, just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. I repent of my sins right now. I claim that heaven is my home and God is my Father. I pray the Holy Spirit would come into my life. Fill me up with a new joy, a resurrected joy, so that I may accomplish every good thing, every good work that God has planned for me, that I would be a light in a time of darkness, that I would believe in the risen Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Wow.